0: Definitely Baby acknowledges the traditional owners, the Wurundjeri, Willam, and Boonarong peoples of the Kulin Nation, of the land on which we record and share our stories. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and future, and recognise this unceded land on which we live, work, and learn always was and always will be Aboriginal land. <music> Welcome to Definitely Baby, a podcast that shares interviews with people about their unique experiences in transitioning into parenthood. I'm your host, Chelsea McRae, and in each episode, Definitely Baby shares stories about parents' postpartum period and beyond, and about the challenges and nuances that we unearth in this deeply beautiful yet intense time. This podcast is for those who are about to embark on the journey of parenthood and those who've been parenting for a while. Or maybe you'd just like to listen to some lovely and unique stories. So, whoever you are, thank you for joining us and I'm so glad that you're here. Every parenting journey is full of surprises, but if you can count on one thing, it's definitely baby. Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a beautiful day so far, wherever you're joining us from, whether you're on a walk, uh, you know, at home, caring for babies, maybe at work, on a break, anytime. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us here. Hope that you're having a beautiful day. I am 36 weeks pregnant now. So I'm really getting to that final pointy end of my pregnancy and I'm really feeling drawn to softening and going really gently into this final period, which I don't think I did with my last pregnancy as much as I should have. And so I'm really excited to do that. I have such a lovely episode to bring to you today. In it, we're joined by Fleur. She and her husband are parents to an almost two-year-old daughter, Prim. We speak in this episode about her struggles conceiving before falling pregnant with her daughter, being COVID positive during her labor and how that impacted everything there and her birth, the shock of postpartum and anxiety that she and her husband experienced in that period losing her mother right before Prim was conceived and how that's impacted her motherhood journey along the way and how motherhood has changed her perspective on work as well as her experience of traveling with a toddler. I'm sure you're going to love the episode and I'll hand over to Fleur now. Fleur, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat to you. Could you start by introducing yourself, telling us about what you do and who makes up your family?
1: Sure. So my name is Fleur and I live in Melbourne and I have my husband and my dog Pepper and my almost two-year-old daughter Prim who make up our family. And I run my own business. I do, it's hard to describe, but it's like somatic health and mindset coaching for
0: women predominantly. Mm, Yeah. What inspired you to do that?
1: So I have a um, corporate career in human resources and leadership. So I have always been very interested in human behavior and performance. um, But when I was thinking about getting pregnant and I was working in a really like very intense job where it was requiring a lot of me. I just knew that that's not how I wanted to do it. I really didn't want to go back to an office. um, and at that, that was pre COVID. So it was like, I would have had to have been in the office five days a week. And it was like having kids really, they didn't, um, really provide an environment that Was flexible in reality. So I knew that I had to do something different if I wanted true flexibility. And so I went down the path of starting my own business. And that started with like nutrition coaching. And it's just kind of evolved over time to working a lot with, you know, trauma and the nervous system. And yeah mindset and performance and um, I actually also have a degree in social work so it's always kind of been there for me Mm. and so it feels like a full circle moment being able to come back and do this kind of work which is cool
0: yeah oh amazing looks so good I always see your little classes that you're running online and I keep meaning to come along for um, when the time um, kind of works out but you've yeah it seems to be kind of like a meditation type thing is that right these kind of like yeah yeah. Breath
1: work, like really a lot of um helping people understand their physiology, their body, like their stress responses. So I know I really like, you know, being a parent as well, like having that knowledge of what is actually happening in my body, in my daughter's body, like it's just transformed how I do everything because it it kind of takes the the emotional charge out of it because you're like, okay, this is the natural pr- process that is occurring in my body right now when it's like stressed or when it's you know tantrums are happening you can really understand it from a biological perspective
0: yeah that's so interesting yeah can you tell us more about that with how that's been with that knowledge with Prim and yeah, yeah, with, with her tantrums, especially I'm sure people would be interested to know what the biology behind tantrums are.
1: Well, yeah. And I think like, you know, tantrums are like biologically normal and it's supposed (laughs) to happen at this age. And I think what's helped me with that is like, rather than focusing on her, it's like, I've got to focus on me. I've got to be regulated. I've got to have the capacity to handle her emotions. And I think this is where, a lot of us don't have that capacity because we were like never taught how to handle big emotions. Like we were kind of taught they're bad or they're wrong in some way. So it's like being able to actually retrain my nervous system to sit with someone who's having big emotions and not feel like it's my responsibility to change it. It's like just allowing it to happen and let her express it without shaming her into feeling like that's the bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. So it's really been like, what she's doing is biologically normal. It's our response. That is not biologically normal that we have to like rewire ourselves. So it's like, that's completely normal what she's doing. And we are able to sit with that as a society, as a culture now, with big emotions rather than feeling uncomfortable around them and wanting to ignore them or to shut them down.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah, I love that. Such a good way to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Could you tell us about your entry into motherhood? So how was your pregnancy and your birth and your postpartum period with Prim?
1: Yeah, so pregnancy was really good. So it took us like probably a year to get pregnant. And that was probably really hard for me. I was kind of expecting it would just happen and it didn't. And there was a big like learning curve for me around control and like, you know, wanting things to happen in a certain way um, and learning to kind of surrender to that. And I think we were due to actually start IVF. And then suddenly my mom passed away and that was like, this like really chaotic time. And you know, it's actually like a beautiful story in the end because we went up and we were with mom. And I remember like, as she was passing away, I asked her for like help. And we actually got home from that trip and I was pregnant, which was just like this amazing, mm-hmm. like, you know, like it just was like this full circle moment, like someone passing away and then being pregnant. And it was just like this surreal thing. So that was a crazy time. So then pregnancy was an interesting time because i was like i just my mom's mm-hmm. passed away but i've been trying to get pregnant for so long and now i'm pregnant like i'm happy but i'm sad i'm happy but i'm sad like it was kind of yeah. a strange time for me but in terms of like the actual like i didn't get any morning sickness i felt really good for the most part
0: wow
1: i think the third trimester was difficult just because of the anticipation of like what was going to happen mm-hmm. what birth mm-hmm. was going to be like was going to be like, like, I just wanted it. I just wanted to know everything. And the waiting game was really hard for me, particularly like towards the end. And then, you know, I planned out my birth as you do. I had an obstetrician. I didn't love that experience. I really, really actually didn't like it. And, but it was kind of like too late in the piece to change it or I was too much of like a people pleaser to change it. I was like, I'm stuck with this now. And so I ended up getting a doula as well, which was amazing. In the lead up to the birth and she was supposed to be with me at the birth. Uh but 3 days before I was due to give birth, I got covid. Oh no. And so I was supposed to be giving birth in Francis Perry, which is like the private side of the women's. And um I rang my obstetrician and said I've got covid and she said you're the first patient I've ever had who's had COVID oh at this late in the piece. Unfortunately, I can't be there to deliver your baby and you can't go to Francis Perry, which I'd like paid all this money to go oh to. Um, you'll have to go to the women. Oh and so I was like, okay. Yeah. And they were like, your doula can't come. And oh if your husband gets COVID, he can't come.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So that really like was so Stressful And it was like I think it was just after Christmas as well. And so I said to the hospital, like, what are my options then if I like can't do this on my own, I can't give birth on my own with COVID? Yeah. And they said, well, "Why don't you just come in tonight and we'll induce you?" So that's what we did. So I literally like went out, my husband was working, went out to his office and was like, "Hey, we're going to the hospital, like we're having the baby tonight." And he was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then we went in and because we had COVID and it was that we had COVID at the very beginning, like when everyone was, no one had had COVID yet. Like it was that, I can't remember what the strain was called, but it yeah. was like that. There's where been so like, many.
0: Um,
1: so everyone, it was all very new and the hospital, like they were all like full PPE. Like we were kind of put into a room, vacuum sealed room kind of thing. <laughs> weren't allowed out for 72 hours we didn't have anything because we kind of packed up and left straight away i uh done all this colostrum and because I had COVID they refused to put it mm. in the freezer so I lost all of that like, it was just like stuff like but that but such was a
0: like, process getting that colostrum <laughs> that would have been so frustrating
1: <laughs> and I did it for weeks like it was so yeah. disheartening I was like mm-hmm. i feel like sorry you've got COVID but can't risk putting it in the freezer, which now if you think about it, it's like, but anyway, so that was kind of, yeah, getting into labor. And then I got induced. Um, and that was something that unfortunately, like I really didn't want to get induced. I really wanted to go naturally into labor. I wanted to be at home, like all of these things that, um, just kind of went out the window and getting induced was, um, yeah, like that was like, I think they put in a so we got in at like eight o'clock and it probably at night and then at like 10 p.m they put in a balloon in my cervix like most mm-hmm. painful thing that's ever like happened oh my gosh <laughs> I'm more painful than like the rest of it that happened um just like so uncomfortable and so not natural like it's not supposed to happen yeah. and then the next morning, I think, um, they kind of checked and they're like, yeah, all right. You're like at two centimeters. Now we're going to start the induction process, like putting it, I can't remember what the medication is called, but whatever that is. Um, Mm -hmm. and then everything kicked off, like went from, I think I did like seven hours where I was like, this is okay. I can manage this they were like, you're doing really well. We're going to stop the drugs. Um, and you can go into labor naturally. And I was like, amazing. That's what I really wanted. But then there was meconium. Is that what it's called? Yes. The poo. Yep. She had pooed in, the, in my waters. And then that's when everything went from like zero to a hundred. They were like, we've got to like get this baby out. So they ramped it up because I had COVID. Um, I don't remember really any of this. My husband told me this. Like I was having a lot of heart issues. And so I was in the hospital room with my husband and a nurse, and the, no doctors were allowed to come. Well, I don't know if they were allowed to come in, they just didn't come in because I had COVID. So they were on the phone being like, Her heart's doing this, and my husband, poor husband, was sitting there being like, Is she gonna be okay? They're like, Yeah, like we think so, you know. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and so that was kind of For ages as well, where it was like I was so in the throes of labor, like I had no idea what was going on. But there was also like this added machine like going off all the time around my heart as well. So it was a very stressful period. Mm. Yeah. And then the labor, I ended up like doing like seven hours, and it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I remember turning to the midwife and was like, I just cannot do this. And he was like, you you can do it. Like you've got this. And I was like, no, I absolutely cannot do this. Like get me the epidural right now. And he was like, why don't we just check you and see where you're at. And then you can decide what you want. Cause you did say at the beginning, you didn't want to do an epidural. Um, and we checked me and I was four centimeters. And so I'd felt like that was like, my mindset then was gone. Like I was like, I can't go on. Um, I was exhausted. I was starting more and more sick from COVID. And so they went and they got the epidural, which one thing I never realized was like, if you ask for an epidural that doesn't necessarily come immediately, (laughs) it took an hour and a half. So that was like, yeah, an hour and a half. And then like, the guy came in and he'd forgotten something. So then they had to go back out. But every time they do that, they have to go full PPE because of like uh, having COVID. So it was like everything. Oh
0: so dramatic. Happened. <laughs> yeah.
1: Very, dramatic, very <laughs> dramatic. But then once I had the epidural, um, I was able to rest for like an hour. And then I was like, I feel like I need to push. And it was on. They were like, yep, you're 10 centimeters. You can push. And I, one thing that I had done, a lot of in the lead up to the birth was I watched this one YouTube video of how to breathe your baby out. Right. And I just watched it over and over and over. It was just like breathing techniques to breathe your baby out. And so I said to the midwife, can I just like, don't coach me, like, just let me do my thing. And she was like, yeah, okay, like whatever. And she was like, look, normally it takes two hours for a first time mom. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, just let me like get in the zone and do this. And, yeah, I breathed her out in 15 minutes and they were like, we've yeah. never seen that before. Oh like I
0: So
1: I feel like that part went really well. The rest of it was, like, pretty chaotic.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. You have to send me that that video. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes of this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I would definitely try and find it. It was this, like, random American lady who just, like, talked you through this, like, 10 minutes of breathing.
0: And, mm.
1: yeah, it's not it a, really helped
0: not, me. Not, at not that Bridget point. Tyler or something, is it? I know she does a lot of that kind of stuff. I think she's American. I
1: try, I will have to like yeah. go and find it. It'll be somewhere in the, the trenches. Yeah. It was very random. Like I don't even know where I got it from. Um, but, yeah, I will let you know what it was so you can put it yes. in yeah. for anyone
0: interested. Watch it myself in the lead up. 15 yeah. minutes sounds great. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It was like it, that was really good and there was no like, the whole time as well, it was like there was issues with me, but there was never an issue with Prim. Yep. And so that was, like, amazing, mm. um, yeah. Were
0: they worried about her contracting COVID at all in the, during the birth? Do you know
1: what? Like, pre-going pre in, they were like, you're going to have to wear a mask breastfeeding. But once I was in there, I was like, I have to take this mask off. Like, mm. I'm in labour. I can't wear this stupid mask. And my husband was wearing a mask and, like, you know, we were trying our best at the beginning and then like one of the nurses just said, look, it's totally fine. Like she's going to be fine. This is, you're all going to be fine. Like there's just so much more fear around it than that. What's necessary. Like what's important right now is like you have that connection with your baby. So don't be worried or scared. Like something's going to happen to her because it's going to be totally fine. So that was, That was really nice to hear because I was like, oh, my gosh, what if I give her COVID and then what if, like, something awful happens and then it's my fault and, you know, but I think there was um, just so much fear at that point about COVID as well. So the plan was I was supposed to wear a mask, but then as soon as, like, she arrived, like, there was no masks in sight. Like, we just didn't do that. And then she never got it. And my Mm. husband never got it either. So he was in the same room, walking there for 72 hours as well. (laughs)
0: yeah amazing, yeah, yeah. and how are you feeling in those moments after Prim was born?
1: It was crazy because I think um you know that was it was such a it's such a surreal time, like once you've had a baby like it's just so wild. I can't even explain it, and I think because of the epidural, I was shaking a lot or even just like post birth, like you shake a lot, so it was like this really intense feeling, and I remember it was like four in the morning once they had kind of like fixed you know everything was done and they were like you guys can have some sleep now and i remember thinking like how am i supposed to go to sleep like <laughs> what the hell just happened that was insane and she was and i remember saying to them are you leaving the baby here and they're like yeah it's your baby and i was like oh, what do we do <laughs> if it, she
0: cried i do now
1: <laughs> they're like you'll be okay We'll anytime and I remember just thinking like holy crap we now have a baby and I have no idea what to do yes um she latched really well like the first latch and then I remember the midwife saying you're gonna have an easy breastfeeding journey like you're very lucky she just latched and I was thinking like that's amazing um and then yeah I think like we didn't get any sleep. And then they came back in at like 5am. Like, you know what it's like in hospital. They're like every hour someone's coming in to check something. And then I remember at like 5am, they were like, we've, you guys have kind of got to go by midday. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously they needed the room for like the next Next COVID mom to come in. And so, yeah, then we were like just because we were supposed to stay three nights at the Francis Carey like hotel thing, yeah. whatever that was. Um, and so, the thought of like going home, and it was New Year's Eve as well. That yeah. was the other thing. So, no one, none of our family was in town. Like, we were very much on our own. We had COVID. So, it was just this like, we're going home now. Like, we have no food, we had nothing. It was crazy. Um, and I remember like leaving the hospital. Because we had COVID, we weren't allowed to touch anything, and we kind of like we're like ushered out, and it felt like we felt like so dirty and gross, like you know what I mean. It's just like it was so bad. And then, because we had COVID, we weren't allowed to pay for the parking, mm. which you have to pay for the parking to get out of the hospital. But they were like, just don't do it, and we had to like yell at the like lady at the gate to let us out and be like, we have COVID, and we had our window down, and she was like, shut your. Oh, God. And it was just insane. Like the whole thing was just like, now, but at the time I think we were like almost in tears being like, this is awful. Mm. Like, what are we supposed to do? Getting her in the car seat for the first time was just like so stressful. We couldn't work it out and no Mm. one could help us because we had COVID. Anyway, (laughs) then we got home and that was nice to be home. And then I remember like the midwives, like they came and I remember they were like, we were really not supposed to come into your house but they had to like do all the checks and stuff. Right. And I was like, I'm not standing on my doorstep. Like you have to come inside. Yeah. And so she was like, I'm really sorry for you. Like I'm going to come inside. Um, and she came inside and, and I remember like she was, she, it was so glad that she came, but she was like, you're so engorged. Like you're on your way to mastitis. Like you have to like mm. pump and do something right now. So that was like, thank God someone came. Cause otherwise I would never have known Um, anything. I think that was like the hard part is like, we just had no idea. And it just felt like we were sent out in the world on our own with no help. And it was just, yeah. But then we had a midwife come, I think every second day, but then like COVID got really intense. And then they said, we can't come anymore. We're too busy. The hospitals are too slammed. So you're like, if anything, you can come into the hospital if you need to, otherwise like just stay home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy time. Crazy time. <laughs> Reflecting on it now. Yeah. What an entrance mm. into, into your motherhood journey. <laughs> my gosh.
1: I know. And I think like, cause the first, I, I remember like the first three months, like both my husband and I, we had really, really bad anxiety. Like even to the point, I think my husband actually on day two, he uh, went to hospital with heart pain um, because we didn't know why. Like he just had this heart pain and he um, ended up calling the hospital and they were like sent an ambulance. Oh,
0: my gosh. And I
1: was like, what is going on? This cannot be happening. Like you cannot be like having a heart attack right now. I've got a two-day-old <laughs> baby. Yeah. And I remember the hospital the ambulance guys coming in. They're like, how old is that baby? And I was like, she's two days old. And they were like gosh, okay. So he went off to the hospital and I was at home then by myself with this two day old baby, oh
0: just God. like wondering
1: like what was wrong. And it turned out like it was just anxiety. Like he was wow. just, he'd just been through so traumatic like 48 hours yeah. and it just like kind of landed in his body. Minimal um, sleep. It was just yeah, like the, the impact of it all, like really was like a lot in those like that first couple of weeks and I think it the anxiety that came in those first months was just I think contributed so much by like you know my obstetrician told me like if with COVID like there's a chance that my baby can die kind of thing so that was like in my head mm. all the time being like what if she dies like it was just so irrational but so real in our house for those first few months of yeah. like fear that something terrible happen.
0: yeah yeah oh that's so hard at such a time that's already one of the hardest times in your life. Like how jarring new parenthood Mm. can be. (laughs) And like you said, that feeling of being in the hospital and them saying it's, you know, this is your baby now. We're just going to leave you. And that feeling of like, hang on, what do I do? (laughs) I remember the first night that Hagen and I got back here with Hazel and we were just like, there was just we and poo and, everything flying everywhere and yeah. we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> we didn't even have everything yeah. set up in the right place in the house and it's yeah. so much yeah. it's so so much
1: it's so much and then like add in yeah. the crying and you're like I don't know what to do yeah. and yeah it's really a really intense time mm-hmm. it's really and no one can prepare you I don't think for that like no. it was just but I've got to be in it to like understand what it
0: feels mm, like. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, yeah, postpartum and birth are two of those things that people can tell you that it's really hard. People can tell you labor's painful. People can tell you new motherhood's painful too, yeah. but you have to actually experience yeah. it to get that <laughs> yourself, like to really get yeah. that. Yeah, Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, like there was also yeah, it's just an interesting thing. Like you have these expectations or these perceptions of what it's like and, but you really don't know. Like, and I reflected on that. I was like, I really only got that from like the movies or like, I don't even know where I got like my perception of parenting or labor or, um, postpartum, like those, you really just don't, because no one really talks about like having a fresh newborn baby. It's like, and I really felt that as like, you have a baby and it's like, okay, now just like get on with life, like Mm -hmm. do it. And I was like, hold on, what the hell? Like I have a baby. I was, you know, I did kind of expect more like rallying around me, I guess. And from like family or friends or whatever. And it's like, that didn't happen. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, wow. This is different to what I thought it was going to be
0: for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like especially in the Western world, we've become so much more individualized in parenting. You know, it's just like the parents are just expected to take on the primary care when, you know, our ancestors would have like tribes and villages that they would all just be taking care of a new mother and a baby. And I feel like that's been lost in so many ways. And that's such a shame because you need it. You need that village more than you ever have in your life and you ever will again
1: yeah yeah a hundred percent and I I read something the other day that I was like that's so true it's we always we're we're, you know we're telling new mothers or even you know mothers with any children at the moment like you need a village you need a village and (laughs) in reality like you need to pay for a village you know like you need to have that that's the reality we live in now is like, unless like, you know, some people, are, I know some people are really lucky who have like a lot of support from family and things, but for most of us, like we just don't have that. And you need to like outsource your village, mm-hmm. um, which is just the reality that we live in now.
0: Yeah. Like postpartum doulas and cleaners and all of those things, yeah. but that's yeah. not necessarily 100%. accessible for everyone. You know, like maybe they don't actually yeah. have the means, yeah. maybe they don't have access because the more that people need the postpartum doors, the less access there will be to them and the more that they'll book out as well. So, yeah, I think it's challenging. It's so challenging.
1: It, it's really hard because what, you know, I, I see a lot of is like this is where like particularly as women like this, when you're giving birth or when you're even in those like young postpartum, even like toddler years, like it's really, really intense. And this is where we fall behind in terms of our own health and well Because so We're so like dysregulated. We're so traumatized from birth, but like, it's like normalized that, like, we don't really talk about that and we just get on with our lives. And then you're like in your forties or whatever, being like, why do I feel this way? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, there's so much to it around like, we need to keep, yeah, normalizing the conversation that like, this is really hard and it's okay for it to be hard. And it's okay for it to be not what we expected as well. Like that's not shameful to talk about.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think there's this like, kind of like martyr, martyr mother kind of complex that it's like, you can handle everything. Yeah, and, yeah. and if you're not, if you're not, what's wrong with you? Like, what, what are you doing wrong? Like, why can't you just handle it when it's totally yeah. fine to be, not fine because it's freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so how are the next few months to year of Prim's life? How long did, um, will have off work.
1: He had six weeks off work, which was amazing. Um, and I really recommend if anyone is have access to do that. Like that was so helpful. I couldn't even imagine if you had to go back after a week yeah. or something like that was like, I felt like we really needed to be this little team because yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And this is really intense. Um, so we had, yeah, six weeks off and I really, in my postpartum, like I really wanted to do follow the like first 40 days. I had my intentions to do. So I really didn't do anything for like a long time. And there was a couple of times where I felt pressured like by family or whatever to do things. Um, and I did them and I remember just regretting that intensely because I just wasn't ready to go somewhere with my baby. And I felt like, and I remember, um, my doula telling me this, she's like, you're going to feel like a mother bear when people are holding your kid and you're going to like feel kind of really territorial over your baby and you're not going to want people to hold your baby and stuff like that. And you have to like, you know, honor that with yourself, even though it feels so hard at the time. And I remember that feeling so intensely of like people wanting to hold her or like, just like that feeling of like, I didn't want people to hold her or like, you know, I just wanted everything to be like in our home and safe. And like, it was so primal. And I remember that being a really intense feeling of just like, didn't want other people around in a weird way. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else experienced that, but that was like so big for me.
0: Mm, Yeah. I definitely felt that as well. And you, yeah, you feel a bit You're like, why am I feeling like this? Because everyone wants to come and hold the baby you know like everyone comes with that expectation like that they're going to hold them and sometimes you just kind of you don't feel like that for whatever reason you should be able to say like that you don't want to but you can't you feel like oh well they've come all this way I guess they should be able to hold them yeah yeah it's a yeah, weird feeling. Yeah, really
1: intense. And I think like as well. Even, you know, breastfeeding in front of people was really intense and like just like all of these things where it's like you feel so weird in your body and like things are happening and changing and you're like, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're a bit on display as a mother. I don't know if that anyone else experienced that, but like I just felt like what did I call it? It's like public parenting where it's like, you feel like you're being watched yeah. as a parent. And it was, just, it was just so intense. And like, yeah, even like breastfeeding when you don't really know how to breastfeed yet. And it's like, people are kind of watching you or you're in public and you're like, I want this to feel really normal. Like I had this expectation that I'd be like, yeah, I can breastfeed anywhere. And then in reality, I was like, I feel so uncomfortable yeah. um, doing this. And or even like I remember the first time I went out with Prim. I think we I went to a local cafe and I went and caught up with one of my friends who's a mom, so she got it. And I just it was like the most terrifying thing I'd ever done. Like even just like navigating the pram in a cafe and being like sorry, <laughs> like sorry, <laughs> like having to breastfeed and stuff. And I remember leaving that cafe and being like, I can do anything now that I've done that. Like I walked here, I am superwoman, I have the coffee. <laughs> And in public, like I am invincible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, like for me, it was like the first, the first three months were like really hectic. I remember she cried a lot. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't know why. I remember, like this is for me, where the way that I thought it was going to go was completely different to the way that it went. Like, you know, we thought she would sleep in her bassinet and just sleep. And it was, you know, going to be simple and easy. And it was like, not like that at all. She cried. She wanted to be with me. We ended up starting to co-sleep, which I felt like this weird shame around because of like, I thought that was not the right thing to do. And that was like, you know, talking about like cultural, you know, perceptions. That's what I just picked up on being like, that's not what we do. Like they sleep in a bed Um, and so that adjustment of like, okay, like co-sleeping is like the right thing to do for our family. Um, and then I think when we got to about four months, that's when I was like, okay, I feel like we're like hitting our strides now. Like we're, we're getting out of that fog a little bit and we feel like we can survive really like where you know that was like now we're starting to thrive a little bit we're having a little bit more fun with this
0: yeah 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 I remember that stage too it's (laughs) it's uh, you you really realize it and you're like oh my gosh I'm actually feeling somewhat human again and not just overwhelmed all of the damn time (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, Yeah. and how was her sleep for you guys
1: (laughs) it's it's like never been good Mm. and um you know, even still to this day. So I think, and that was really hard as well, because I feel like this is the question that I get asked still to this day, like, and how's she sleeping? Hmm. I'm like, oh, I hate that can't. question. Like, yeah, stop. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I, it's this like a lot of people, and we did the, we, we still co-sleep and we never did any kind of like, um, sleep training or anything like that. And I remember like, you know, she's always been a very wakeful baby. And I actually, sorry, I did do a a possums, you know, the sleep uh, company possums. I don't know if you know them, Um, but they are like more of the very gentle approach. And I did an online consult with them and she was just like, look, you've got a wakeful baby. Um, The reality is like everyone needs different amount of sleeps sleep and your baby doesn't need that much sleep and she's happy in all other aspects. So like, yeah, just keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, great. And even now she's nearly two, she still wakes up multiple times a night, you know, and it's just, that's her. And, um, that's how we roll now. And it's like been one of those things that's been really hard to, Even like talk about because we do co sleeping and we haven't done like any of the other stuff, like people will be like, Oh, why don't you do sleep training? Like, it's crazy that you guys haven't done that yet. Mm. And that's like a hard conversation. So I just like try not to even like share her sleep because I'm like, people think we're crazy that she still doesn't sleep through the (laughs) night and she's nearly two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All of the shoulds and the still isn't doing this. Are you still doing this? Are you still co sleeping? Are you still breastfeeding? Like, we just need to remove that word, put it in the bin. And yes, yeah, yeah, sleep's yeah, just exactly. such a big topic. Like I hated being asked, you know, is Hazel a good is she a good sleeper? You know, it's like, what do you say to that? Like she's a baby. You know, it's a, it's biologically yeah. normal for them to wake up overnight and to want to feed or to want comfort, you know, like they're these tiny little beings yeah. that just want to know that we're there. And I think that so many people yeah. do co-sleep as well. And it's just not yeah. talked about yeah. or shared. And there's so many social medias and, you know, red nose, it is so important to think about all of the safe sleeping things, but you can co-sleep safely, you know, like there's practices oh, that you can 100%. do. Yeah.
1: we. I mean, we did it from when she was two weeks old yeah. and, you know, it just made sense. It, it, For me, the thing that I really got from it was like, this feels very natural and authentic to me as like a woman, as like a human being, I was like, I think that this is what the, like I'm supposed to do because it just feels so easy. And when I was like putting her in a, like a cot or trying to ever, like, you know, throughout this whole period was like, maybe we should try putting her in the cot. I was like, this feels uneasy in my body. It's just, no, it's like, we're not, you know, why am I doing things? Because I feel like, again, it's that should, I should do this. Um, and for me it was like okay I can either set her up in a cot in her own room but I'm getting up then I know I'm gonna get up two three four yep. times a night why would I do that like if I can just I'll wake up I'm waking up anyway I may as well be in my bed
0: <laughs> you yeah, know exactly um, you don't have to walk down the house something you know. yeah
1: yeah and turn lights on and then like you know disrupt my whole like circadian rhythm mm-hmm. it was like this feels the like the best solution and you know I didn't expect to be ever co-sleep yet still co-sleeping at nearly 2 years old um and thinking about like having a second child and being like okay how are we all going to do this as a family <laughs> super king bed this, like <laughs> when does this yeah, mm-hmm. exactly um you know I I never expected that in a million years but mm-hmm. here we are and I think that's the biggest thing about parenting or parenthood is like You have like what you think is going to happen and probably the opposite is going to happen. And so just like be prepared for anything and be prepared for your mindset to change and your beliefs to change and all of that. Because I, what I came in thinking was like how I was going to parent. I literally do it the complete opposite. To what I thought I was gonna do.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like all the things that you think that you're not going to do beforehand. What are what are other things yeah. for yeah. you? Like, what are what are some of your other preconceived notions that you had about parenting and how have they changed since you've become a parent?
1: I mean, I was reflecting on that question, being like, okay, what did I actually think pre-parenting? I think I just thought um, I think I thought babies would be like it was important for them to be independent. Right. I, you hear that all the time. Like they need their independence. Right. And now doing the work that I do like with adults around, like, you know, um, their nervous systems and even like trauma and things like that. I realized like how important connection is as an adult. So I was like, okay, so as a baby, like that connection is like, this is where we set that stuff up for life and that where their brain is being formed, like connection is so important why are we driving this narrative like that kids need to be independent? And if they're, I was told when she was six months old, she's being too clingy to you. Like that was said to me. That. And I was like, no, mm. like that kind of crazy stuff. Where I was like, I'm being made to feel weird because my baby wants to be with me and doesn't want to be held by strangers, which I was like, that by, like that makes, makes sense so to me why she doesn't sense. want to be held yeah. by a stranger. But the narrative is like, you should be able to drop them off with anyone and it, you know, she's fine. And she's still not fine with that. Um, So I think for me, it was like this notion of like, kids are going to be independent, you can drop them off with anyone, you can drop them at daycare, and they will be completely fine. And now realizing that's not necessarily true. And there is a lot like, each child is so, so different. And you've got to be able to like, honor those things with your kid. Because that's just, life. Like it's like, not everyone is going to have the same experience and connection is like key. So if you can foster that as much as you can, that's, what's going to set them up for emotional resiliency their whole life.
0: Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and
1: I'd never like thought about, myself. you know, I just thought you have, like, I just didn't really think about like the emotional side of parenting, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, a sign of like a good strong bond between a parent and child, especially a mother and child primarily when the child is attached to you, you know, that actually shows secure attachment. Now they know that they're secure yeah. with you, you're their safe space. So then when they do go out into the world, they know that you're always there, you know, they feel, they feel yeah. you um, and your love in them. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 And so then how about your own identity? How's that kind of shifted as you have moved into motherhood? And when did you kind of start working again? And how was that transition back as well?
1: I feel like the, yeah, the journey to mother, it was just such an insane time. Like it was so many identity shifts at once because I had as I think I mentioned at the beginning, like my mom passed away. So I was like now in the world, like without a mother, I was becoming a mother at the same time to a daughter. And and then I just felt like my whole sense of self changed. You know, I'd, I'd been this like career woman who was like super, you know, I was like the head of HR for this company. I was super focused on my career, building up the corporate ladder. And then all of a sudden I just... In pregnancy was like I don't want anything to do with that like I have completely that's not the life I want to live anymore um it was just bizarre to have that complete 180 and be like I actually want to live like a slow life I want to like not have to work so hard I want to be around for my daughter like my kid as much as possible and it was just grappling with this like this is not the way that you're supposed to be. Like you're supposed to like, want to go back to work and like do the nine to five and like, you know, be a boss Mm -hmm. lady and a mom and do it all. And I was like, I don't think I can do it all. I don't think that's possible for me and do it. Well, that was my thing of like, I don't think I can do all of it. Well, I, I would really struggle with that because in my corporate career, like I was like so stressed out all of the time. And I was like, I don't think like that is going to go well for me in motherhood as well. Um, And so that identity shift of like, it's okay to not want to do those things in this season of life. And that's okay. And still like, um, you know, I wanted to work, but I wanted it to be like at my leisure, I guess I wanted to be able to like determine what I did and when I did it and how I set myself up for that. So that was, I started working again at like when she was four months old, but I've probably really only done like, I guess like 20 hours a week, you know, like very light touch working. And even still, like she's nearly two and we've been able to like keep that going, which is great. Um, and we, she um, is with me predominantly, like we have our nanny Krista, who you know, mm-hmm. um, and she's with us three, and like three half days a week, but the rest of the time I'm with her. And the beauty of my job is that I can, you know, do this out of hours. So I do, I do coaching in the evening or early in the morning. So my husband is like, he can be with her at those times. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to really make it work where it's like, I can be home and with her as much as possible. And now I'm starting to feel the desire to do more work. Like now that we're coming up to two years, like I feel like, um, I'm like getting that kind of, yeah, drive to want to expand my business into more. So it's been really nice to be able to go on that journey and not have to go back to that like corporate life,
0: Mm. um,
1: which I'm very, very grateful for.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting how priorities just shift so much. I've heard that story so many times of, you know, kind of both ways really of either people really wanting to slow down after becoming a parent or becoming super driven and being like I want to do all of these things which you know you you definitely are as well but you've kind of changed your career focus which is yeah so yeah. interesting
1: yeah and i think um like pre kids i was you know it was almost like there was this sense of urgency to get somewhere that i don't know really where i was getting to but it was you know like we have And it's so ingrained in our culture and our conditioning that like, we've got to be striving. We've got to be striving next, next, next goal, next goal. And just even having a kid was like, that's, you know, why do I think like that? Like it kind of just allowed me to have the space to question everything and be like, is that actually what I want to do? Do I want to live like that anymore? I don't think I do. Okay. Let's like try it like this and be like, this actually feels really good to live a slower And now it's like we're going to move down to the coast. And it's like, this is, yeah, this is feeling more like expansive and slow. And I think I need this in like these younger years of my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And that's, and being okay with that and actually like making that happen has felt really good.
0: Yeah. 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 So exciting. So you're, you're, you're moving pretty soon. We were talking before we recorded in the next month. Um, yeah. yeah yeah wow that'll be a big a big shift moving from the city to a more
1: yeah yeah life change but I think yeah it's something that like I've been really craving and I just think you know and I think we've lived in Clifton Hill now for like five years and when you have a kid as everyone will know like you walk those streets <laughs> in the prayer day so often yeah. go to the same cafe, the same shops, and it's like I'm ready to like do some like see a different
0: yeah. you know park now. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be nice. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh and I'd love to talk about, I'm really sorry about your mum. That would have been just so hard, losing her in your yeah. in your you. own yeah. journey into motherhood. Like, can you talk to us more about yeah, how that was for you and how you felt about yeah. her never yeah, getting to meet. Really, her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really such a crazy, even still to this day, I'm like, this is, you know, I think once you become a mother, you have so many questions and, you know, like, I'm sure you asked your own mum, like, what was birth like, or what was this like, or how did this work? And not having that was Yeah, like they just left so many questions, and I think um, you know, Mum died really suddenly. She had a stroke and was kind of gone within a few days, and that was like so jarring. Like there wasn't like any time to prepare for that. It just kind of happened, and um, her never meeting Prim. Like we still we kind of joke and we say that like that's my my mum's soul is Prim because they're like so similar in (laughs) personality.
0: Yeah. and the timeline
1: as well (laughs) but yeah the timeline is crazy like yeah literally my mom died and I was pregnant in the same week and it was just like after trying for so long it was like whatever's going on you know there's something out out there bigger than us that like helped this all happen because I as I said like we were due to start IVF the next month and Mm. so it was just insane um but yeah I think it was just like as a mom I felt like you need a mum in this world. Like when you come become a mum, like it's this very strange thing of like I can't be a mum like without a mum. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was hard. I guess watching other people who had their mums so involved at the beginning, like helping them, and I never. I feel like you can never feel comfortable as you do with your own mother like in postpartum, right? Like, you know, in those like first few weeks, like just, it would have been really nice to have someone like like my mom to be like, this is what's going on. Yeah. Like this is normal. Or hold the baby and just like help because in those weeks, like particularly for me, I just didn't feel comfortable to have like anyone around in those periods. And I would just remember like thinking it would be really nice if like I had that experience with mom. Yeah. So yeah. And even still like to this day, as she gets older, it's like, as Prim gets older, it's, it is weird thinking like she never had that we'll never have that relationship. And, um, we recently went to Europe back to where my mom was from, which was awesome to do that with my daughter and like, you know, be there with her where my mom grew up and where I visited a lot as a kid, but it was this crazy feeling of like, you know, once like that generation is gone, like that's it, like it's over kind of thing. So it's just, yeah, a weird feeling of like, that my mum is gone and now like I'm a mum to prune and then she's going to have kids and like, it's just, I don't know if I'm even making sense. No, I feel like I'm rambling, yeah, but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. And in new parenthood, just, yeah, you're thinking about all of the way that you were raised, the ways that you were raised and, yeah. um, how you're going to raise your own children. So yeah, it, it's all yeah. coming up and it's all there. So that would have been so challenging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot like, and I think this is probably normal for a lot of people. It's like, you think about your childhood and you think about things that maybe like weren't amazing. And you think about how that's like impacted you and like how you want to do differently Mm -hmm. in your kids. And it's just this, and then because my mom has passed away, you feel a guilt or a shame for even thinking about those kind of things. So it's just this like, intense yeah, emotional yeah. roller coaster
0: absolutely I can imagine I can absolutely yeah. imagine that yeah 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 and can you tell us about traveling in Europe with a toddler do you yeah. have any tips for anyone who's maybe yeah. planning to travel with kids how was that experience for you yeah
1: the, it, it, it was an amazing experience and I definitely have lots of tips um so <laughs> we went for almost month to Europe. We went to the Netherlands and we went to Portugal. Um, and we intent the way that we set the holiday up was like, we want this to be a good experience. We don't want to rush around. We don't want to do too much. We want it to be like, we're in places for at least like four or five days at a time so that we can, you know, relax and be on her schedule. Um, Of like she needs a nap during the day, and we don't want to be doing that on the go, um, just because like she never gets a long enough nap when we do that. So we set it up like that, where we really intended to do it slowly, and we had the expectation we're not going to do all the same things that we did we (laughs) would have done pre children, very different holiday. Um, And so flying over there, that's like obviously the hardest, most challenging part of the whole thing. We. Did a 5 a.m. flight, which I will recommend to everyone now never, ever, ever, ever do that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> always do a night, yeah, because you want them to sleep for at least a little bit. But because we we're at 5 a.m., we were obviously up at 1 a.m. to get to the airport oh gosh, and on the plane yeah. by 5 a.m. So that was half the night disrupted, and then um, it was daytime, you know, for her circadian rhythm, so she was not willing to sleep, and that was. A 13-hour flight to Dubai. And 13 hours is a very long time on a plane. And she um she did amazingly. There was probably an hour and a half where we were like, oh my God, this is really hard. But she wanted to just walk around the plane. You know, we I watched all the TikToks of like all the things to do on a plane with the toddler. And um I recommend like just don't even worry about all that stuff <laughs> like I did the sticker books I had all the toys I had all the things and literally like she would look at it and like five minutes later she was like I'm sick of that uh. <laughs> so yeah like it's hard and then so really the biggest saving grace was like the iPad and letting her like watch as many shows as she wanted yeah. and even that like you know she gets sick of that after a while so I think um it's just, it is hardcore and you've just got to be like willing to do it. And I remember like just saying to my husband, like, we're a team, we're a team, like let's just stick together, <laughs> like try not to like lose it at each other because it's so intense. Yeah. And then when we got to Dubai, we only like I purposely created a really short layover. So I think we only had one and a half hours. So it was literally like get to the next plane. And then she slept because by that point, it was like probably midnight Australian time. So she did sleep the whole seven hours there. And then when we got there, it was like nighttime there. So we we were all so exhausted because we didn't sleep for 28 hours because also she's on your lap. Yeah. Like when she was under two, so we didn't sleep for her, which is also very hard when they're at that age. Um, so, yeah, my biggest recommendations for flying is fly at night. Make sure you bring food. One thing I didn't realize was they weren't going to give her any food because no. she didn't have her own seat. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: So luckily we had lots of food, but, like, that was one thing I didn't realize was going to happen. So thankfully we did have food. Um, and, yeah, like, if they're into screens, like, it's a saving grace. And if they're <laughs> not into screens, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Good
1: luck way hard. <laughs> Yeah, good luck. on the way home we did fly at night and it was seat, like it was amazing she just she slept she watched some shows like she didn't even want to get out of her seat once and it was just like a totally different experience and I was mm-hmm. like okay this is manageable you can do this and it'd be okay and then when we were there um you know she just like seamlessly it was just she just was so happy to be there and walk around and we had like um you know, we did a lot of walking, which she was happy to do. And I think that's the other thing as well. It's like, you're going to get places a lot slower, you know, than you, you mm-hmm. used to when you're traveling, like, you know, it's a slower experience. So just really like embracing that as well. And being like, there's no rush to get anywhere. Like you're just seeing less, you're doing less, you're taking more time out to chill out. And I think that was the other big tip I had was like, make sure that your accommodation is, you're happy to like, chill out and spend time there while they're having a sleep like i in amsterdam our hotel room was like literally just like a bed so that was really <laughs> hard because there was just no space to do yeah. anything so while she's sleeping you've just got to kind of be quiet and like sit there for two hours um so everywhere else we had like more space to have like go into another room while she was sleeping um, which was really helpful as well mm yeah
0: yeah oh great yeah great and the other
1: thing is like yeah don't worry about like don't be too I mean we've never really been hyper focused on like routine um but we did notice like she just kind of fell into that rhythm the same sort of rhythm that we had at home but like we weren't like hyper focused on it because I think it's so hard when you're traveling to like worry about that because some days it's like don't go to plan or you get like you're driving more than other days, or you're you know you're traveling you have travel days, and in those days you've just kind of got to go with the flow
0: mm, yeah. yeah yeah, absolutely oh great we haven't We haven't tried an overseas plane anywhere kind of trip yet. I just haven't braved it, but they're all great tips that i'll yeah. <laughs> that I'll take on board when we do
1: yeah. And I think, like, the biggest thing that I, you know, kept saying in my head is, like, this will end. <laughs> like, the, the plane ride will yeah. end. We will arrive. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think, like, I find I struggle on those long flights. It's just hard. It's just so we are so far away Um, and it's just a very long time of travel. Mm. But once you're there, you're like, this is so worth it. It's so fun here. And it's like watching her grow and develop, like she's, like, come back, so different to what we left like a month ago. Mm,
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So cute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so as Prim grows older, I'd love to know what some kind of like values or principles that you hope to instill in her are.
1: You know, the biggest thing for me with Prim is that I just want her to truly feel like it is perfectly okay to just be who she is. I think that's such a big one for me. Um, I never want her to feel shame or embarrassment or guilt for being who she is. And I think me as a parent and what I am modeling to her is that as well, like trying to be my most like true authentic self to show her that that's like how to do it, to live a great life. Um, And I think that's, yeah, my main focus is I just want her to feel comfortable, to embrace who she is and do whatever it is that she wants to do and not put pressure on her to be a certain way or to do a certain thing. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's our kind of parenting, parenting philosophy, I guess. Mm. You know, we want her to, like, just have a really lovely life experience. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, and for our last question, what has surprised you the most about parenthood? Um,
1: Okay, so many things. (laughs) So what has surprised me the most would be um, how, like, how conflicting it can be, like, within yourself. Um, And I think that really comes from the way that you've been conditioned or parented and then like you wanting to do it a different way but it's like you've still got all of these years of conditioning that you kind of have to break through um and it's really that's really challenging and hard and like how self-aware you become as a parent um I don't know if anyone else kind of experiences that but you, you become really aware of like how you talk or how you the automatic things that happen you know when like things are chaotic and stressful um and the other thing is like the one thing that surprised me that's been really lovely to see is like just how much more you love your partner like watching them be a parent like it's just
0: yeah I love the coolest
1: thing to watch and the loveliest thing to watch
0: Mm. yeah yeah yeah
1: and I do not think that's something you really think about pre-parenting. Like you don't really, you can't grasp that, but what it's like to watch that person become a parent is like really
0: cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then watching your child who kind of looks like them and looks like you, you know, like looks like mm-hmm. a little combination and you just love so much and watching them interact with your partner. It's so special.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, how oh, beautiful. Flair! Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today. It's been so wonderful to talk to you and, yeah, I've really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've loved having this chat. I love talking about this stuff, so thank yeah. you again. It's been really fun.
0: Yeah, great. And where can people find you if they want to maybe do one of your little um, somatic yeah. meditation type classes?
1: Uh, yeah, so you- Instagram, probably the best place. Um, and my Instagram handle is Yumi U M I underscore wellbeing. And, um, I can send that over if you want to put that in the show notes as well. That's usually, yeah, where I'm, you can hang, I, where I hang out the most is on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. And yeah, your little, the little classes that you do, I've been meaning to go to, but they're really cost effective. So encourage everyone yeah, to yeah. come along. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it's really good for um, mums and dads as well, like to come Mm -hmm. and just like give your nervous system a tune up so that you can handle your
0: kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I've been thinking about doing some before labor, you know, labor prep, like really meditation is so good in pregnancy to try and stabilize your mind. And when parenting, when you've got so much stimulation coming in from so many sides, so good to sit and sit and take that time yep. yeah <laughs> thanks for listening sharing our stories is such a meaningful way to connect with ourselves and others and i hope you enjoyed today's episode follow us on instagram at definitely baby podcast for photos of our weekly guests updates or to share your own story i'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe rate the podcast or share with a friend it really helps us to grow and help other parents feel more supported by these beautiful stories I'll see you next week for another lovely episode.